0: Welcome to Folk Tales. I'm Dominic Zamit, Director at Boat folk, and throughout this series I'll be joined by a wealth of guests from the UK's boating community who will be sharing their stories of lives spent in, on or by the water. This is a podcast by Boat Folk, for Boat Folk. Today we hear from Kevin Baird at Banger Marina in Northern Ireland, who's been speaking with local legend Brian Mahag in the about all things banger, boating and channel swimming. Let's hear what they had to say.
1: welcome to bangor marina which is on the sunny shores of belfast lock today we're joined by Birthing master david reid and brian maharg mbe skipper long distance swimming pilot and author welcome brian
0: and thank you for the invite captain and david i'm delighted to come along today and hopefully the conversation will lead to whatever that's great
1: brian again thanks for joining us You've been about Bangor Harbour for many years, even right before the marina was built. Could you tell our listeners what it was like boating then and how you got into boating?
0: In 1936, my uncle Stuart, his name was Stuart Walls, bought a boat and then he run uh, passengers and he also done a little bit of fishing and so on for many years. It was just in my blood. I came down as a youngster, I don't know anything else and I continue to boat. And continue to still enjoy it. Those are the days of the rowing boats? Rowing boats were over at Large, I was there too and again it was quite amazing. Like Children could have come down at six years of age on their own and hired a rowing boat out and uh, there was no question to ask, it was quite amazing. And no life jackets those no days? nothing at all. So you, you were involved in
1: helping build Bangor Marina and, and I remember over 35 years ago helping you place pile markers when they were building one of the, the breakwaters. Before the breakwaters were built, we had terrible northeasterly gales, which would bring destruction to, to the boats that were moored in Bangor Bay. What was it like boating before the marina was built?
0: Well, it was the whole south part of the Belfast Lock. It was a northeast wind, so Home used to take some tremendous... Batterings as well, and I can only talk really about the Bangor harbour. It was completely open, there was no shelter at all. And the and the boats, and funny enough, and I'm very privileged to say this, but I was the last boat, uh, my crew was Kyle Marshall, who is the present. Senior healthman for the Bangor Lightboat. And Kyle and I, and it was in October 1982, we left the harbour for the last time to seek shelter because if you didn't leave the harbour to seek shelter, your boat was wrecked. If the tide was in and the weather was not too severe, you would go around to the long hole and watch the dolly rock on the way in. And if the, if the tide was out, you had to go to Carrick-Fergus and get the boat
1: home. Well, Brad, you've been a birth holder at Bangor Marina for 32 years. You've seen many changes over the past three decades. What are the biggest changes that stand out
0: for you? Well, I noticed that, uh, that in amongst the, the birth holders that it's become really a hub in many ways. You couldn't call it a club, but you could call it a hub. There's lots of tea, drank. There's lots of buns eaten and it has become really a way of life to many people. There's other ones take it and they want to go cruising. They use it as a base and they go to Scotland or Carrickfergus or wherever they want to go to. And then there's the more serious and the more uh, athletic types that want to go out and race every Tuesday and Thursday nights and weekends in the yacht races and they again take it very serious. So there's quite a lot of changes, but I think the biggest change is that it's now become a hub. Uh, that's great, Brian. You know, when we introduced this, uh, I, I said that you were a
1: long-distance uh, swimming pilot for the North Channel. You know, we hear of regular swims on the English Channel, and some have crossed it multiple times. Why is it so hard to cross the North Channel?
0: It took quite a long time. The first person to come along actually was a lady. That was in 1928. She was called mercedes Light. And it wasn't until 1947 until Tom Blower, a man from Nottingham, left Dunagadi and was able to swim and touch the shores of Scotland. But from 1928 until 1988, there was no lady had swallowed. And in the olden days, a long, long time ago, the people on both sides of the channel would have said, Women could never swim this. Mm. So it was actually in 1988 that I was privileged to be the pilot. And 60 years it took for a lady to swim from Ireland to Scotland. Who was that lady? The lady was called Alison Streeter, MBE. She was just a fantastic swimmer. She was just very, uh, how can I say it, she was just so determined that she was going to do it. And uh, as far as Alison was concerned, it was going to be no problems and she just went out and done it in nine hours, 42 minutes, and 51 seconds. Uh, does that record still stand? No, it was beaten a few years ago at nine and a half hours. But if you think in the very first swim, that was fantastic because yes. we had not got the knowledge of tides to the same extent. We had not got the the mental attitudes where, oh, it could never be done by a lady. Because once Alison had done it, then it gave the signal to many ladies that followed, oh yes, this can be done. So over the years, how many swimmers have you taken across, Brad? i would lost count. I'm not too sure, but I've taken quite a lot and I've enjoyed every one of them. Uh, some have not made it, but it's fantastic just to be there and to help them as best as possible. Yes. You and one of our other bathing masters, you and Scott, actually rode that section of water many years ago. <coughs> <laughs> Indeed, and funny enough, I it was Mister You and Scott and Mister Tommy Burns was on the, on a the, rowing boat as well. Yes, yeah. And we done that in 8 hours, 31 minutes from Bangor Marina, which is a longer mm. distance to Port Patrick. And the best about this, there'll be some of the small yachts leaving Bangor Marina now, that would still take longer than <laughs> 8 hours, 31 minutes. <laughs> so... Cold water swimming, you
1: know, it's really become popular over the last couple of years. You know, can you give any advice to anybody that's wanting to take up cold water swimming?
0: Well, I'm blessed where I'm very simple minded. And my advice would be is if you want to try cold water swimming, go down the Valley Home Beach or wherever you happen to be on the coast of of the United Kingdom. Take your socks and shoes off. Go in and have a paddle, the right. pain will be unbearable at the start, but <laughs> if you become used to it, then progress from there. There's so many places now right round the coast you can swim right. and you get lots of advice and lots of encouragement right around the coast. Yes, there are
1: plenty of groups nearly at every beach taking up cold water swimming. Let's just circle back a little. Uh, you mentioned the cold water it plays a major part and there's also the jellyfish between the Ireland and Scotland. Some of our listeners will know that stretch of water and will know about the Beaufort Dyke, which is about a 30-mile long, 2-mile wide, 1,000 feet deep canyon that some marines choose to practice in. Your boat had a starring role in a short film about that stretch of water. Can you tell us a little more?
0: Yes, it's quite a long time ago. Now, first of all, can I say that the jellyfish are land me in which you don't get in the English Channel and that could be a big difference between the North Channel and the English Channel they, they sting more? they tend to sting more yes and they seem to enjoy the Oster-Scott uh, connections because they like to hang around our coastline <laughs> the film that I was involved in was called Sins of the Father and it was very interesting because the, it was set about the mid-50s in the film and this uh, boatman in Scotland, uh, he was given a backhander by a very leading businessman to go and dump explosives and other undesirables into the Beaufort Dike. Nice. He'd done this at night time and no, no one was about. And then he got his money and forgot about it. But why it's called Sins of the Father was... Years later, his son, who was about nine years of age, was on the shores of Scotland and one of the parcels that he had dumped a few years before landed on the beach and the son went over to inspect it and the parcel blew up. It was old-fashioned phosphorus or mustard gas. And uh, severely injured his child, so that's why it was called Sons to the Father. Yes,
1: there, there was so much munitions and tanks and everything dumped in that dike after the war, and they're still there. So, they're actually thinking of building a tunnel or a bridge over over the Irish Sea at the minute, so they'll have to take that into consideration. Yes, well, they would have to,
0: and I don't think they could do it over the Beaufort Dike. it's too deep. Yeah, you know, so it'll be to the north of the Beaufort Dyke. Or to the south of the Beaufort Dyke, but I don't believe it will be over the Beaufort Dyke itself. Yeah. So all the marina here, all the team here at the marina are, are
1: volunteers for Bangor Lifeboat. I know this is a charity uh, that you hold that holds a special place in your heart. You have been a volunteer for over forty years. Can you tell us a little about your involvement in the Banger Lightboat?
0: Yes, enjoyed every minute. Started in 1973, so roughly what I said was, was up 45 years. And at that time, the Banger Lightboat was a smaller concern. It was a small D class lightboat, which is very essential. D-class lightboats, I would imagine, would rescue more people <coughs> around the coast because they deal with swimmers. They're fast, they're easy, and they're quick to move. You can get to the shore to them. And you can get to the shore very quick. So D-class light boats are a fantastic piece of kit, especially mm-hmm. now. But when I joined in 1973, the D-class lightboat only run from Easter to the end of October. And after that, if anybody needed rescue, they had to send for the Donegal D lightboat which only at that time done a speed of seven knots. So the time the boat came up the bank or further afield, it did take a long time. Yes. So I hear that you've met the Queen. Yes, I was privileged to meet the Queen. Um, uh, the Arnold I chose me for an MBE, and uh, I was really I was overwhelmed in many ways because uh, right round the coast, why did they pick me, I don't know. But uh, I was able to take, it was a great day out. I was over to Buckingham Palace and lucky enough it was Her Majesty herself was on duty that day. Okay. And I was given a lecture beforehand, like one else who was there and what to say and what to do. And the handshake was the thing uh, that's over now you go. And I was, I was instructed to say ma'am and all the words to use. Well, to be quite honest, Captain, I went up, and it wasn't through ignorance, it was through stupidity. I forgot a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What happened then was that Her Majesty, I remember exactly what she said, and she says, now, Mr. Mahard, Bangor Lightboat uh, would have been a very busy station. And I says, well, ma'am, can I say that any one of the crew on Bangor Lightboat is just as entitled to the MBE as me and why I picked I don't know and then I got slightly detour. A de- detour. <laughs> and I says now take your William I've forgotten his name was the Duke of whatever you call him and I says now you take your William your William was out in a helicopter about three weeks ago and he done a fantastic rescue of Anglesey and I'm sure you're very proud of him yes. and she says yes I am And then we had a chat and then I have no idea what I said, but somebody in the audience said, uh, Her Majesty is taking a long time with your husband and she seems to be enjoying it. And to look back and Her Majesty was laughing, but I have no idea. (laughs) You must have told her (laughs) a joke, Brian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Brian, Jenny what? Who was
0: she? And why is Bangor's oldest public house named after her? And how does she fit into your life? Well, Jenny Watt is lost in time, really, because when I was a youngster, all the children were told that Jenny Watt was a smuggler. There was nothing written down. It was only oral. Jenny Watt was a smuggler, and her cave came out where the flyover is on the Belfast Road, which is now built over. There's houses down in there and that was a well-known fact between children and they don't know why they knew it but they didn't know it because it was oral. I think it was it was told to me as a youngster it was told that, to you as well. At Kevin. That
1: uh, cave came out. At that spot. At
0: that spot yes. So I then uh, decided that I would write a book for one of my children and there was no books in the area that would cover a children's book to cover a story about Banger. So I started to write the book about Jenny Watt. I'd done a lot of research, checked old newspapers and so on and found out as much as I could. I started to write the story and then I forgot about it. And then many years later I was told I was going to be privileged to become a grandfather. And I said, oh, better hurry up and write this book of a grandchild now. So I went back and wrote the book, and I'm delighted to say that uh, I've done it. Yes, Brian, you know, I've read the book, and a great book it is. It's a
1: top-quality publication, and I understand it's a bestseller in our museum and our local tourist information centres. How would you get a copy of the book? Well,
0: I know in the museum it was the bestseller that they, they had. They were very pleased with it. And uh, it's been sent all over the world. Uh, right. It's amazing where it's ended up, around the world. And uh, if you want a copy now, it's very simple, because unfortunately the museum and the visitors information yes, centre, a yeah, yes, yes, new yeah. name now, is closed. And if you go onto eBay, you only have to type two words, Jenny what? You don't need anything and else. it comes. It'll come up on the top, search. So as I mentioned earlier, you
1: are one of our longest standing birth holders over 32 years in county at the marina, we've seen a number of different operators throughout the years. However, our core team have remained the same. You know, as we look to the future, and there's going to be a lot of development happening. Can you let us know what sort of boat folk means to you?
0: Well, I've been here from, the, well, even before day one. yeah. And all I can say about the staff in Bangor over the years, some have come, some have gone. I can say they have all enjoyed seeing people whether it be visitors or locals they have enjoyed the atmosphere themselves and they have always been pleased when they have made someone happy this is absolutely 100 yeah. percent. and all i can say is now that both folk has now taken over I don't see any change other than the service is just as good as what it's always been, and they're certainly doing a good job. Thank you very much, Brian for your
1: kind words. And thank you again for joining us today. So if you want to try out fishing, and that's your main activity during the summer months, or a North Channel swim, you're the man to go to. So I know you've got a great following on Instagram and on Twitter.
0: Can you share those details with us? When I do Instagram or Twitter, I don't do anything to make people follow me. I don't put any hashtags. I don't uh, put any links. You don't, don't have you don't have any you don't follow any people either. I don't follow anybody. I'm not worried. Whether and as far as I'm concerned, I'm tweeting or Instagramming those three people, and uh, and I'm happy. I think I have about one thousand and thirty uh, followers on Twitter, which I think is amazing because. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> and, and your Twitter account? No, Twitter would be about one thousand yeah, and thirty. And, 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 the, and, and the Instagram account? Uh, there's so more and more seem to be uh, following me. But as I say, what, uh, what of that account, brother? Well, the two of them is just banger boat, all one word. Banger boat. Uh, banger boat. But I, I'm amazed that anybody wants to listen to me or or witness what I do. But for some reason, they do. And thank you to those people because. There's a big world out there and nobody has to listen or
1: follow me. Absolutely brilliant, Brian. Again, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thank you, Brian. That's great and I'm delighted to get my cup of tea. and <laughs> a nice cake. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boat Tales and that you join us for the next episode soon.